0: Welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. I'm your host, Amber. My vision for this podcast is to showcase experts in the keto carnivore community, as well as those who have compelling stories that inspire and give others hope. My wish is that no one has to suffer like I did. If you find value in this podcast, please consider subscribing and hitting that notification button. And as always, feel free to share. Thank you so much for your support. Hi. I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, we have some really special guests, Ashley and Sarah Armstrong, known as the Strong Sisters. and, uh, or, or, wait, excuse me, should I say Dr. Ashley and Sarah Armstrong?
1: <laughs> <Best> Dr. <doctor>, Ashley, <laughs> but I'll
0: piece myself in there. <laughs> Heck yeah, I love that. Um, congratulations to you, by the way, on that, and we'll, we'll get to that, but welcome, y'all. It's been a while since we've been able to chat.
2: Thank you for having us on, Amber. We appreciate this opportunity. And then we also really appreciate your support and our friendship. So we're very grateful to have met you.
0: you Well, you know, I love (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Y'all are the best.
1: For over a year.
0: I know I know and I've been following y'all and I just can't be more impressed with with what y'all are doing and how you're evolving and how you're going for your dreams you're going for your goals and that's so impressive and you're young and I love that so let's talk a little bit about your backgrounds I want to know education backgrounds and I, I want to know how y'all got to this point point. and we'll talk about the health stuff later but I, I want to know that kind of background first.
1: Yeah, sure. So she's a little bit more educated than me. So I'll start shorter. Um, I got my bachelor's in health sciences. And then I went after college, I did like extra education and in integrated nutrition. And that's kind of what got us into the health world a little bit more. Um, it didn't teach me anything about carnivore or keto, really, it kind of just touched on um, the main things you think of when you think of like the health spirit. Um, but yeah, so that's my education. And then Ashley, well you
2: also are precision nutrition. Oh
1: yeah. Well there's a few nutrition. Oh you I- are? Yeah, I did precision. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I did that. I think it was great. It's very yeah.
0: nutrition. I, yes, and, I agree. Um,
1: yeah. There's no like uh, prerogative or bias in that education yes. and I really liked it. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. And <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah.
2: And then I did um, my undergrad in mechanical engineering. And then I did a master's in mechanical engineering and I just finished up my doctorate in mechanical engineering and my research was kind of focused <laughs> on Like 3D bioprinting and improving the precision of that to enable like advanced more precise fabrication of, for example, like bone replacement material or the possibility of doing like uh, bio fabricated organ transplants and things like that. And so it was kind of in the field of control theory. So that's like kind of applied math plus regenerative medicine. Um, and it's like, I've so I've been in school now for nine years. So four years in undergrad and then five years um, graduate school. And I am now kind of, after I completely wrap things up, going to enter the world of entrepreneurship and not really do it, continue down the academia path. And there's definitely a reason for that. But yeah, it's kind of an overview of our yeah
0: is that impressive or what are these girls not like just awesome just just with that but wait till you hear all the other things they're doing i'm just like in awe seriously y'all and they're so young i can i, I have to keep saying that because i'm you know 54 and i still don't know what i want to be when i grow up so you know here we go okay <laughs> so, <laughs> she's gorgeous what? Oh my god. I love (laughs) y'all. Okay. So let's talk about your newest venture. What y'all are really working on the big one. I I want you to talk all about that and why you're doing it.
1: Okay. So we are starting our own farm, a regenerative farm, and we're actually moving from this house right now to our new property tomorrow. (laughs) This is like a huge life change weird time in our lives, Um, but it's very exciting. So we have a passion for gender agriculture. Ashley's going to talk more about that, but really, um, we're going to our farm this fall, but we're not going to be starting with our animals until the spring. So this is something that we're going to be talking a lot about is like the financial problems with um, trying to do things like this. Uh, it's not going to be very lucrative money-wise for a long time, and it probably will never be. So for that reason, we're going to be doing a lot of other things on the side. So for example, we're going to be starting a wedding and events barn, um, and we're going to hope that that's going to bring people onto our farm property. And we'll So get do to, those in parallel. Yeah, so we're going to work on other things in parallel to have the money to start our farm. And that's something that we really want to stress because I know that A lot of people have been like, how are you guys affording to start this farm? And like, I really want to do that. How do I do that? So we're, we're going to really try to commit to showing that like we're like the financial struggle that we're inevitably going to go through and how we're going to get out of that. So hopefully it it can help other people. So we're going to be documenting that a lot too. That's
2: awesome. We are kind of (laughs) putting like, like I said, I am not continuing down academia. um, And we're kind of just put going all in on this because it is our passion. So we have been involved in like health and wellness. We've been interested in that for like 10 years. And what we define as what's healthy has obviously evolved in that process. But last year we kind of had this realization that the health of our nation has gone down. Right. And simultaneously, the health of our soil has gone down as well. Um, and so those have gone down in parallel and that's not coincidence. Like those are ultimately linked and before that, we kind of never really realized that. We always thought, you know, food came from the grocery store, like just choose your healthy foods and you'll be fine. But if we continue to degrade our soil, our food is going to have less and less nutrients. And there are plenty of studies documenting this, that the micronutrients in a lot of our food, especially produce, has decreased anywhere from 25 to 75% over the last 100 years. And those same 100 years, we have really ramped up our industrial agricultural practices that are destroying the health of our soil. So the percent organic matter in our soil is going down. And it's sad because we have some of the best soil in the world and we're kind of degrading it year after year. And so when we had that realization, that's when like our passion for regenerative farming like peaked because we realized, hey, we're seeking health. And one of the best ways we can do that is by repairing the health of the soil And then growing healthy food and healthy soil like that's optimal health and so that's what we're chasing and that's what we're passionate about sharing
0: i love that okay so i think some people don't really even understand i mean you know if you talk about the soil as far as growing food okay you can kind of see that but what people don't understand is that also affects your meat Mm -hmm. that you eat because the animals are eating that vegetation that's coming from that depleted soil. Can you talk just a little bit about that so people can understand just because you're eating meat doesn't mean you're necessarily getting everything optimal.
2: Yeah, so I think that there are a lot of unknowns out there and the My nutrient content of meat is going to vary depending on where it was raised and we don't have enough data documenting that it would be very unrealistic for small farmers to be able to send their meat off to a lab to get the micronutrient content out of it because that's a very expensive test, but there's more and more data building up about that. I know that Gabe Brown, he's a regenerative farmer in North Dakota. He is getting some studies done on his meat, and there's some really interesting data coming out there um, in terms of increased micronutrients and completely different fatty acid profile compared to grain fed meat. So, a lot of people pull from the US food database and compare the grass fed and grain fed, but I don't even think that that's like a fair comparison. I think that it would be really interesting to compare. Grain fed versus a cow that was raised in a truly regenerative matter because grass fed is like this umbrella term that encompasses a lot of different processes. And so I think that there's just a lot more data that needs to be collected in terms of the the micronutrient content.
1: Yeah, I think this is something that like we've, our mindsets really evolved on too. So when we first started carnivore, we were like kind of, we were really like, oh yeah, hundred percent grass fed. Like we thought that like, that was how you get all your nutrients. And um, I mean, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but I think that especially when it comes to like our purpose now, which is like putting, like healing the soil, healing the land, um, having like all cattle go through a stage where they're on grass. Even if they're grain fed. They're all helping that mission. If they're raised responsibly and holistically, and so just because a farmer finishes their cattle on grain doesn't automatically mean like, oh, you know, it doesn't have the same nutrients. It didn't help the soil. And I think that that message can get really skewed sometimes. And then people are like all gung-ho, 100% grass-fed and then like don't like farmers that supplement grain. One of our favorite farmers uh, here who practices regenerative agriculture, he holistically grazes his animals, he
2: supplements grain to move his cattle. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And the term, like I was saying, the term grass fed, like, okay, you can keep your cattle on the same pasture and grass feed them all year round. But what happens if you overgraze and destroy that piece of property? (laughs) So it's just, there's a lot of loose terms out there. And I think what's most important, if you care about these things, is just really asking your farmer, certain questions about how they raise their produce, how they rotate their cows and are they doing it in a regenerative manner, if that's important to you. But like she said, even grain fed cattle are still out on pasture um, for most of their life. And then most commonly they're sent to a feedlot. Um, There's some controversial thoughts about feedlots in terms of, um, I mean, I think that there's no question about it that a fully grass fed cow versus a feedlot cow is going to be better for the environment I think that there's no refuting on that but like I said there's like data the data that's there right now shows very similar nutrient profiles but I don't think that the data was collected well enough um, in terms of that collecting from a fully regenerative cow that was raised on the soil that had like high percent organic matter and I think that that data will be coming out soon as
0: So if, can you explain in simple terms how do you plan to regenerate the soil? How 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 is that possible? I mean what do you have to do?
2: Yeah so the really exciting thing is that Mother Nature responds well if you work with her, right? So especially with the soil that we will be in. So we will be in southwest Michigan and that's very rich soil and it responds well apparently to like changing farming practices. So Um, A lot of farmers these days, a lot of conventional farmers, kind of believe that it takes a thousand years to grow an inch of topsoil. So they kind of believe that they can't participate in that soil repairing process because that's, I won't live that long, but that's from the bottom up. So not many people talk about top-down soil building, which is where regenerative agriculture comes into play. So our property, we acquired about 28 acres most of which has been used for corn and soy crop rotation, conventionally raised, conventionally aged for the last like decade. Um, so you can imagine what the field looks like. One year it's corn, the next year it's soybean, and that's only like two thirds to half the year. The other half of the year, the land is just barren, brown, dead, has no cover, has no life.
1: It's pretty much what you see when you drive through like the Midwest.
2: Yeah. Um, and so we've been talking to a lot of uh, farmers in terms of like the best first next steps and Mr. Will Harris down at White Oak Pastures, Dr. Roundtree at Michigan State University, they are really well known for their grazing techniques and they like they have like a hobby of converting conventional fields into these beautiful green pastures and so I think the The process involves regenerative agriculture principles. And I can review a few of those because I think they're relatively simple to understand. So the first one is this concept called year long green. So you want the soil to have cover, you want it to have protection, you want it to have armor to protect it against a lot of rain, uh, wind, cold. And so one of the principles is year long green, which involves like planting cover crops or just planting seeds all year round. So rather than just having the corn and soy during that growing season, Plant cover crops in the off-season. So that way there's grass covering that soil. And what that will do, that grass will do photosynthesis and cycle carbon out of the air into the soil. And so that will improve the percent organic matter in the soil. So that's one um, principle. And then another principle is animal integration. So cows, pigs, chickens, lamb, goats, they all play a unique role in repairing the health of the soil. And you, it's almost like prescribing a medicine based on your condition each of those animals have a specific role depending on the quality of your lamb so since ours is rather small and very fragile because it has no life um, mr. will Harris suggests that we do lamb because they're not as heavy as cows so they won't be as destructive from the start but they're ruminant animals so they're gonna really help us like uh, they're like like push their manure and their other, like obviously pea and stuff. So like that's the natural fertilizer and they're going to help us push percent organic matter into the soil. So animal integration is a really important piece of it. Our first steps will be to um, seed. So we're going to put some annual and perennial seeds because there's, there's no life on the soil. And unfortunately we will have to continue with conventional agricultural practices from the start. So we will have to use a synthetic fertilizer. We'll try to use organic uh, fertilizer just because there's nothing to keep, to get those seeds growing. And so Dr. Jason Roundtree talks about how you will have to start with conventional and you'll weed yourself out to be able to do fully regenerative. So it's almost like alcoholism. Like you have to like slowly reduce drug addict, like things. It's a similar concept where you have to reduce your load. And so we will seed, We'll have to spray a little bit to just get life growing and then once there's sufficient grass up that's when we'll bring the animals in and then we'll do something that Mr. Will Harris at White Oak Pastures calls hay bombing so we'll do this in the winter months next year where it's this idea that you have to feed um, animals especially ruminants hay in the winter months because there's just not as much grass where where we live and so it's this idea that you're going to put extra hay out there so that way the animals are eating the hay but then the ruminants are also pushing that hay into the soil and that's organic matter that's being pushed into the soil. So that's Mr. Wool Harris's biggest technique is the, the hay bombing and then followed by seeding the following spring. So that's a combination of things that is going to hopefully increase the percent organic matter in our soil. It's going to take a lot of time, like a few years, but we're excited and that's what we're passionate about and Ideally, down the line, we'd love to acquire more and more conventional ag fields like around us to convert them into perennial pastures.
0: That is so cool. It's fascinating. Uh, that, that's okay. So, how many lambs are y'all going to start with? Have you figured that out?
2: So we were we were trying to do it this, this fall. Topic. We were trying she to said. do it this fall. I'm, I'm sad. Um, a few farmers have advised us just don't even try this fall because we have to move. Have to finish up some research stuff we have to apply to jobs there's just a lot going on and we were going to try to start with about 30 ewes so that's um female lambs and we're going to wait until the spring and so that will really depend so it depends on what type of grazing strategy we're going to adopt from the beginning um i'm sure you've seen like high intensity grazing, where it's this idea that you have a lot of poundage of animals in a small area and you rotate them quickly. And so that emulates what used to happen with bison roaming around. Um, We just don't have enough pasture yet to be able to do that efficiently because you have to rotate really quickly. But a really important piece is that you allow your paddocks to rest in between. So our rotations would probably be too quick And the field wouldn't rest before we would have to put the animals back on. So we're probably going to have to take a slightly slower approach in the beginning. Um, And we haven't really worked out those numbers, but talking to a few farmers, I think around 30 ish. And so that'll be like next summer.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so just Yesterday, I got attacked because I posted something being just just a goofy thing on TikTok uh, about being a meat eater, just, just a goofy thing. And I got attacked for, you have no idea how bad all that meat eating is on the environment. What's your take on that?
1: <laughs> uh, that's so hard because I think that like in terms of what's in the media, like farm favors the plant-based agenda versus like eating animals and i think that somebody who if like first it's never worth like arguing with somebody because the chances of you changing somebody's mind is very small like they have to want to understand deeper themselves and so i think you're like what we always do is point people to different resources and so we like suggest going to check out the savory institute and um, different farmers who have done like added topsoil successfully, your practice regenerative agriculture. I don't know. Do you have like a specific response? Yeah, and
2: I think um, a simple way to say is like it's not the cow, it's the how. So that's what mm, Doctor, that's, that's what great. Diana Rogers says uh, with sacred cow. Oh yeah, it's another
0: great resource. Yeah, yeah, sacred cow. I should have thought of that one. Yeah, I think
2: having people take a step back and actually looking at the greenhouse gas emissions and the percentages of each sector, um, cattle. Per, um, Produces a small percentage relative to other, like transportation and other sectors of the economy. And I think that that's an important part. Um, But, like Sarah said, pointing people to resources where they can continue to educate themselves. I think regenerative agriculture is left out of this picture. And you often see, like, the PETA, PETA, they film like feedlots, right? Feedlots, yes they should go like check out regenerative farms. Yeah. And I would, I think the best thing to point someone to would be the Kwanzer Q U A N S E R life cycle analysis test of white Oak pastures, where they were shown to operate at a net carbon negative for their oh. beef operation. And in that report, it compares it to the beyond beef burger, which operates at a net carbon positive. So I think just pointing people in those resources, they can't argue with that. I'll test. add that. <laughs> yeah. You can't argue with with science like that. And there was so-
1: also a recent like article that came out called "Regenerative Agriculture and the Soil Carbon Solution." A new paper outlines vision for climate action, saying that they can potentially draw down a hundred percent of the CO two emissions into the soil, and so it was based out of the Rodale Institute and the paper is called Regenerative Agriculture and the Soil Carbon Solution. So I think that's another really cool cause that was in September of 2020. So it's more people talking about it at least and it's going to be a little bit more relevant and timely.
0: So that's another cool resource. Cool. I'll definitely have to add some links below cause I'm, you know, we get asked this all the time or yeah, there's always going to be somebody and what I don't understand is why well, come on my page I'm pretty open about what I do and what I believe in. I'm not going to go follow a bunch of, you know, vegans or something because I don't believe in that. I I don't have a, I mean, if that's what they want to do, I don't have a problem with that, but I'm not going to go deliberately follow them. So I control them and say stuff, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's your life. You do what you want to do. So it just kind of blows my mind, but it's always good to have, you know, not again, like you said, it doesn't matter because they don't want to know anyway, but Still, it's nice to have something.
2: (laughs) I saw a quote, I don't remember the exact phrasing of it, but it was something along the lines of like, it's more powerful to support something rather than to go and just argue against things. And I think that people really miss that. Like we've learned this. Yeah, we have, as we've shared
0: more and get like attacked.
2: Yeah, I bet,
0: (laughs) which that's a good transition into our next topic. Let me just make sure. Oh, I just wanted to ask one quick thing. What what is Shell's view on hunting or, or do you have an opinion on that or view?
1: We've like wanted to go hunting for so long. We just don't have any of the materials or any of the connections, but I think it's gonna be a future experience that I think I think it's beautiful the fact that you can be so resourceful to go capture your own animal and then butcher it responsibly, obviously. Um and I think that it's just a it's a natural part <laughs> of being a human. Like We didn't have processing facilities when our ancestors were growing up. Like, that's just not how things worked. We did it ourselves. And so I don't see it. That's just my opinion. I think I would probably have a really hard time if I was out there, like, and
2: actually, like, taking the shot. I just know myself. But I think it's a beautiful, natural thing. And I think that it's important to consider that if you were a meat eater, a form of hunting goes on to get your meat for you. And if you don't feel comfortable in that process, that's totally okay. Like that's our mother. She doesn't like to think about it. She doesn't like to know about it and that's okay. But just knowing that that has to happen for any type of meat that you're eating, whether it's the processor, or if it's you actually
0: doing that action, it's, it's just a part circle of life. Yeah, absolutely. That's the truth. And I, I I was kind of like your mother. I'm not, quite so much like that anymore, but I still don't think I physically could go do that. I think my boys are hunters. We have a freezer full of wild game. Um, You know, they go elk hunting, they do all these different stuff. You know, we have wild hogs, we have venison, we have, you you name it, we have it. And so, you know, I've grown up with that. So I have no issue with it. It's just me personally. I don't know if I could do it. I, 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 I can tell you, I probably couldn't do it, but you know, I understand it and I get it, but yeah, so I, I just think it's kind of an interesting subject, you know, talking about hunting. My son brought up the fact that uh, my podcasts don't really talk about that kind of side, and you know, I kind of promote carnivore, so it's kind of like the process, right? But yet, I haven't really, but I did have a girl hunter on, so that'll be coming out soon. So I thought with y'all having the background you do, that that would be some a good subject to ask y'all about. Been
2: involved in the processing part of farming. Um, it's not fun. It it really is not, but it's just part of the process. And I think it, it doesn't, it does not matter if you don't feel comfortable doing it. It doesn't matter if you feel comfortable. It doesn't matter if our mom doesn't feel comfortable. Like that's okay. That's understandable, but just accepting that it's, it's, it has to happen in order for you to, continue. yeah, exactly. From
1: what I've learned is like, so if somebody's really into hunting and they're really passionate about it, They've done the research to know how to do it right. And yes. they're not randomly going out there and shooting things because you actually can't do that. Like you have to go to specific areas yeah, and mm-hmm. like what you're doing. So I think that there's probably a, like, I, I don't like research this, but I'm just guessing there's probably a lot of like biases towards it and like misunderstandings of what goes on. Like yeah. you probably know more about this. And I'm sure there's a wrong way and I'm sure there's a right yeah, way. and so We don't know
2: enough about that. I,
1: I think, um, what's his name? Keto
2: Carnivor King. Keto Savage
1: does yeah. it too. Yeah, Keto Savage like the people within the
0: carnivore
1: community who like really
0: just yes. yes. if you're interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna eventually try to get them on. We'll see if I if I can. But I think I think it's you know, people need to know, understand, you know, that it, it's not just this willy-nilly kind of thing, and that most of the hunters, or at least the ones I know, they actually love animals. It's not about cruelty. It's not about, you know, oh, just going in and getting some horns to slap on a wall. It, it, Most hunters are not like that. I mean, they're always going to have those idiots, but you know, I don't know them. So, you know, it's like not my family. Okay.
1: One last thing on that. So when we were looking for farm property in Michigan, it was really interesting because a lot of the best farm property was like for our purposes. So regenerative agriculture was hunting grounds. And that's oh. because- Plant cover crops that entice the animals to come to it. So in a regenerative aspect, I think that it actually probably has some benefits if they're planting like seasonally in the right things. So that's another interesting thing to think about.
0: I like that. Well, I am super impressed that y'all are, you know, doing this. I mean, it it sounds like it's going to be a long process, a lot of work, but it's going to be really beneficial, I think. And, and and more people that that do it like you, the the better we're all going to be. So kudos to y'all. I mean, that's a huge undertaking. So, you know, again, so what can I say? Okay, now let's get into the health aspect uh, of what y'all been going through. You've been, y'all have been on a pretty major journey here dealing with you know all the issues you had and going and evolving as you go i want to talk a little bit about that can y'all give everyone kind of a brief journey of what you've been through just kind of go through your issues and how you dealt with it and and then we'll get into specifics
2: yeah um so i'm trying to i'm gonna try to give a brief timeline so when we started probably like a decade ago we've been in health and wellness for a long time and like i said What we view, what we have viewed as healthy has evolved as we've self-educated and learned more. So when we started, we were really wrapped in the like low fat. So I need to get my whole grains in. So I'm going to eat my whole wheat pasta, my whole wheat bread, my chicken breast and my broccoli. That's pretty much a summary Mm -hmm. of what I ate during like important adolescent years. And I was missing out on animal products and fat soluble vitamins and, and things like that. Then, um, we got into like, if it fits your macros, I I F Y M, which is like a community out there that, um, I do think there's power in tracking calories. I I, I do think so macros and calories. Um, but we kind of got really wrapped into it. And so we thought that we were going to be healthy as long as we just hit our carb, fat and protein, um, contents of the day. And if we fit in a box of cereal or Oreos into that day, as long as it was in our macros, that's totally fine. Um, but that kind of made us really lose touch in focusing on nutrient-dense foods. We were consuming a lot of like um bread that was fortified with iron and other things, refined grains, vegetable oils. We were consuming a lot of like margarines, um, and still a lot of chicken. Like we never really a lot were eating. A lot of vegetables, yeah. yeah. Then we kind of started to experience health problems. So, um, Sarah got diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and it was called what, what was it called? Non-differentiated tissue disease. And the rheumatologist prescribed her with some medication that was used for lupus and kind of told her that you're just going to have to just try to be as healthy as you can. Don't exercise, don't see the sun. Those are going (laughs) to cause damage and lupus is going to, come to you it's inevitable it's it's just unfortunate so like the chronic
1: is attached to anything autoimmune
0: and it makes
1: somebody automatically feel like a victim
2: absolutely Mm -hmm. and so I didn't get as extensive testing done but we were experiencing many of the same symptoms the butterfly rashes Raynaud's Mm -hmm. brain fog constipation fatigue and we didn't want to do, our mom told, said, no, you're not doing the prescription medication. And so we started to really take our health into our own hands and do a lot of self-educating about health and wellness. And that got us to fasting. Um, and we were eating a ton of vegetables at this time. Cause we thought that that was the best thing to do. We were still eating like high protein, but we were getting our protein in from like egg whites and eggs. Mm-hmm. And then just a lot of vegetables. Um, So we got into fasting. That's what led us into keto. We were definitely plant-based keto. So we consumed a ton of cruciferous vegetables because those are typically lower in carb. Um, Still just, we called ourselves like vegan, V-E-G-G-A-N because we still ate eggs. Um, And that just kind of made, that fasting kind of helped with certain things, but it didn't fix all of our issues. And so that's what led us to carnivore. And I think that carnivore is a very powerful elimination diet for our, for the first time in our life, we were consuming bioavailable nutrients from animal products. Um, we were eliminated those cruciferous vegetables that were probably causing problems in our guts. And we felt really good because we removed all those things and finally had bioavailable nutrients. We're consuming liver for the first time in our lives. And a year after carnivore we fixed a lot of our issues, but we still had amenorrhea. So we have had hormonal issues for a long time in our life. We've been relatively lean for uh, most of our life and we've really been into strength training and working out. And so just a lot of stressors on our system. And I think adding the zero carb and fasting on top of that, I think people forget Mm -hmm. that those are also stressors Mm -hmm. adding all of that on top of it. There was no way in our minds that we were going to fix our amenorrhea by continuing down the same path. And so this year we finally did a real talk with ourselves and said, we are not actually healthy yet because we still don't have normal periods as females. And so we took a step back, stopped fasting. We added in certain carbohydrate sources, um, easy to digest that didn't cause digestive problems. And we significantly reduce the amount that we work out. And so Sarah got her period back and I'm still waiting on mine, but that's kind of where we are. Um, we've gained 20 pounds since this I'm healing more, hormone more, journey, more, more. which is very uncomfortable, but mm. I think that it's a necessary step in healing your hormones. And so it's always hard to share our journey because we're kind of coming opposite direction from many people. Many people are coming like they need to do weight loss to reach their certain goals, but we never went into keto and carnivore for weight loss. We actually gained weight during that process. Um, We went to it because we thought it was best for our health. And so where we are today, we think is what's best for our health right now. And we are very aware that that is going to look different for for everyone. but we really enjoy this current way of eating, which is animal-based, we're still con- consuming red meat every day, we're consuming saturated fats, we're consuming liver, organs, but then we're also consuming carbohydrates like fruits, squash, honey, um, on occasion, some starches like potatoes and rice, and we feel really good.
0: That's that's awesome. Did you wanna say anything, Sarah?
2: Oh, no, that was great, that was a
1: great... You got it,
0: okay. I just make to share and didn't want to leave you out. Okay. Well, okay you said you gained some weight. Now I know that y'all kind of struggle with some body image kind of issues at one point. So, and, and I understand how it is to go through all of that and to, and I had multiple disorders. So I, I, you know, I, I was very sensitive to that. And then I just recently have started gaining weight without changing Anything on my food zero, not at nothing, not the amount. Well, maybe a little bit less. I mean, just just slightly lower, just because I don't have an appetite much, but there's something going on. But I'm also hitting that menopause, so it, it but it does mess with you a little bit because you're like, Wait a minute now, here, how are y'all handling that? I, I know that y'all are intelligent enough to know that this is probably part of the process, but it's still got to mess a little bit with your head.
1: Great, so the. What you're experiencing now is what we started to experience at the end of our carnivore journey. Yeah. And that was a huge red flag because we started to go, we had some event we had to get ready for. We were going to cut, which means like, you know, get a little bit leaner. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we went on a little diet and we just started gaining weight with eating less and it was like oh my gosh what's going on and it was very frustrating and that's what really opened our eyes to like okay there's probably something like hormonal or something going on mm-hmm. with our thyroid adrenal fatigue some people like to call it mm-hmm. um whatever you want to call it uh for us it was hypothalamic amenorrhea and so i'm not saying that's what's happening to you at all <laughs> but like i'm just saying like i get that feeling yeah. like, oh that's so frustrating and so for us <clears throat> um there was already that like we were already like gaining weight while trying to eat less, which I think was worse mm-hmm. because you feel so out of control, yeah. right? So like we're eating yep. now, so inevitably we're gaining weight, but when you're eating less, it's like, well, where do I go from here? Exactly. Exactly. And so that was that was actually probably one of the most challenging moments because we knew we had to do something drastic to move away from that. Um, and from there, it was – it meant, meant – our mentality around food was a little bit messed up after so long of keto and carnivore because we Mm -hmm. were very afraid of almost like everything and um, I think that there's good reason for people to be you know a little bit hesitant of eating certain foods when they didn't react well to them right Mm -hmm. but we never truly tested what worked and what didn't work for us and so it was kind of like a reversal of that and um, over the course of like five six months I personally gained like 40 pounds And I did have a lot of weight to gain. Like, I admit that. I'm not, not, like, the last time you saw me, I probably looked crazy. And people today will still be like, oh, you could still gain weight. But I think it's all relative to where you're coming from. So me, plus 40 pounds, um, I obviously feel different. And obviously, it was a challenge. But I think that we have really recognized that everything that we once believed was beautiful and healthy in the past. So, like, thin, lean, Mm -hmm. athletic like society has put that out there that is not actually a standard. And so like adopting that as what's beautiful and healthy is just like, it's very flawed because then it puts yourself in this position of trying to achieve that. And you, when trying to achieve that, you can become unhealthy. And that's what happened to us. And so
2: mm-hmm.
1: reconstructing in our minds what we think is beautiful and healthy has really, really helped. And granted, there's still days when we're like, uh. I feel like some, one of our followers who's going through the same thing, she's like, today I woke up and I feel like Santa Claus. <laughs> and, uh, because <laughs> when you're, for somebody who, uh, uh, you start gaining weight, your body is fearful and it gains it in your midsection first. To protect your organs. Yeah. Which makes sense. So like people are going to see my arm now and be like, oh, you're still really small. But I mean, I'm not like flaunting. What I call it is my like toddler tummy. It's a <laughs> so you you gain weight in your stomach first and i think that's so hard for females because that's where you're trying to lose weight right to protect Mm. them and so that's like finding humor in it has been really helpful too so like just talking about it being open about it making light of the situation and realizing that like in a year from now i will thank myself for going through this so
2: i think we still deal with mental struggles every day and i think that that's important to just talk about and disclose Mm -hmm. we aren't Sunshine, rainbows, unicorns. With this, like, it's hard. Any way that you look at it, gaining weight as a female in this current society is hard, and that's a problem. And so, there are a few things that we try to work on. So, Sarah's been really good about this: is changing vocabulary how you describe yourself. So, rather than using (laughs) "fat," oh my god, I'm fat. No, I'm well nourished, or like, (laughs) I like it. This is silly, but like. If I fall, I have a cushion that will protect my fault. <laughs>
1: started this new thing yesterday. I was like, hey, Ash, we should start doing this every day. And I just go.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you got to. You got to change your mindset. It's so huge. I mean. And it's like
1: reaffirming it. Like, I love every part of me. I'm not, you know, because when you. what Another thing people don't realize is like having a bad body image or these minds that's a stress
2: and that can mm.
1: negatively impact mm. your health
2: yes so all connected and then i think yeah. two more things one thing who are you following on social media if there are people who are really lean and ripped that you're following stop following them it's going to be very hard for you to look at that and be like i don't look like that and something's wrong with me but that is not true you don't know they have a good message yeah but you don't know what those people are hiding social media you can share your positives you Mm. don't see behind the scenes and I regret so much kind of pretending that everything was fine for so long on social media and not really disclosing this but society there's like articles out there that say it's okay if you don't have your period like who cares just go on birth control and so society has this message that you don't really need to have your normal functioning period and like there's so many issues. So be careful of who you're following. What was my last one? What was my other?
1: Girl, I don't know. I
2: <laughs> oh, oh. And then second, <laughs> what better way to honor and love yourself than to fully nourish yourself with you high go. quality foods, beautiful amounts go. of foods. We're not proponents of go eat all processed food. Go eat a ton of refined grains and vegetable oils. No. Go eat real foods and nourish your body in Love it for how it is and fuel it with the nutrients that it needs to heal. I think that returning to that, like, wow, that's one of the best ways that I can honor and love myself. I'm still working on this day to day, but that's what I'm trying to view my journey right now.
1: I think can I like, so I think this is a really interesting topic within like fasting, carnivore, keto is because there's this um, minimalist mindset and I'm not just talking about the food you're eating. Like that's another subject. I'm talking about the amount. And so it's almost like you get yourself down to a very small, not very small, it's relative, but like a lower caloric amount. What's it called? Like, I saw Sim, Sim Lan talking about this where you are eating less and you're fasting more and it's kind of like the turtle mentality where you have a really
2: long lifespan. I don't know, I'm not, I'm, oh, um, I do what it's called. Consuming, like eating in a caloric deficit so A slight caloric deficit so that you maintain your leanness all year round and you increase your lifespan. But, but while you're doing that, your metabolic rate slows. And I think that mm. for him,
1: maybe it was great or it is great. But I think that females, like I really think that we are different. And I take the whole we have to. She's yelling at me, I take up the whole screen. And then she
2: does this. With- <laughs> <laughs>
0: but anyway. I think all right I
1: think now. <laughs> one of the largest lessons we learned throughout this journey and especially this past year is that as females, we are a little different and if that means eating more and having more cushion, like we wouldn't be here without females. So yeah.
0: Well, we (laughs) are different. I'm sorry. I know that's kind of a hard thing for some people to comprehend, but we really are. I mean, we were designed to be different. We have a different purpose. You know, so of course we're going to have things that are different. And so it only makes sense that our bodies are going to need something a little bit different. I mean, we all need kind of the same thing, but slightly variations of things. And I think that's what the message y'all are trying to get out is that there's not a one way fits all. And like some people, okay, fine, do a complete carnivore that that works great for them. But for other people, they may, may need to, you know, add in different things or eventually You know, it may be great for a time period, but you know, great today, but maybe tomorrow, you may have to, you know, switch things up and there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be married to a diet you know dogma and name just because you say you're a certain thing doesn't mean that you can't evolve and change and experiment and see what works and I, that's what I love about y'all that you did it because you're more concerned about your health than you know following a cult if you will and not that I'm saying we're all cults no I'm not saying it. but you know what I mean that you know so here's a question for you When you started implementing other things than animal-based foods, carnivore, how did the community react to that?
2: It really depends on, so there are some people out there and I would say that at a certain point in time, we definitely thought this too, that carnivore is the only way for optimal health. And if you do anything else, you are giving into the system you are a sugar addict and you don't need any of those foods and you are humans evolved only on animal-based products and so that is all that we need and for those type of people there's no convincing them that there's another way to be healthy and so there's no point in arguing with them and so we just kind of let those people go like That's okay. If you were going to stay strict to dogma, that's okay. We, our channel is about sharing our journey every step of the way. We are not strong carnivore sisters. (laughs) We use carnivore as a tool to, we thought that that was the best thing to do for our health at the time. And I, I I think that it was a very valuable period of our life. Um, There have, there was definitely a lot of pushback in the beginning from certain people who are very dogmatic and that's okay. Like that really is okay. We don't want to be a part of something so dogmatic. So we really had to take a step back, um, and be careful about what we were sharing because we didn't want to burn any bridges with previous people that we had connected with. And I would say there was a small group of people who were really dogmatic, but overall, like uh, for any strong sister follower that is listening to this, like we love and appreciate you guys so much for evolving with us and staying with our journey. Um, we have received a lot of support from our community that we are very grateful for.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad. And I, I figured cause like when I started seeing, you know, some of this, I was like, Ooh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> because y'all were very vocal about carnivore and I'm vocal, but I, I'm also not, Under the belief that every single person should do it or needs to do it. Um, You know, I think it's a great tool, like you mentioned, especially when you're trying to do an elimination diet to figure out what's going on, what's bothering you. But if you feel the, you know, desire or you're still not complete, you know, healthy try some other things. That's the whole point is you, you have to keep trying to find what works for you. So, you know, oh, some of those people, I was just like, Oh my goodness, goodness, here we go. Because you, you're sometimes you're just not allowed to veer out of your, you know, your, your box. <laughs> your, yeah. And so, you know, kudos to y'all for doing that and for sharing your journey and showing that it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to evolve. It's all right. And Okay. I can't imagine what it it, it felt like because you were on the doctors with Dr. Paul Saladino and the way those doctors came at Paul and and y'all kind of to a degree, not so much, they were a little bit nicer to you, but some of the things that they said and what did you feel? I mean, and then looking back at it now, has your attitude changed about what you were feeling? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think that they, uh, that was t- I like blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> I think that, like Even the way we eat now is still different than what they were promoting. They were kind mm-hmm. of like, on a mission to tear down
2: mm-hmm.
1: us instead of like understand why. And I think it would have been way more valuable if we could have explained why. But they
2: muted us. Yeah, they muted yes. us.
1: So I think that um, they wanted it to come off as was that we had extreme eating disorders that we went to carnivore just to lose weight. And so we didn't get to share any of the health benefits part, which I think like that's why we were sharing it to begin with was like, guys, like my inflammation's down, all this and all these exciting things that were happening last year uh, for the time being. And so we didn't get to share that. And um, they were kind of just saying that like we needed to eat the vegetables and here's like, we still don't eat the vegetables. Yeah, like, we,
2: that's a huge thing that people label us now. Like they were, find a green thing on my plate. What we're still
1: like huge um, promoters of is that you're going to get a large amount of your nutrients from animal products, right? Like mm-hmm. animal meats and organs. Mm-hmm. And they were unwilling to accept that and saying that we were going to get nutrient deficiencies because we weren't including things like broccoli. Yeah. And that we still, like that's just still something that's a like a disconnection is, um, no, we still get our nutrients from animal products. We've included these other foods in for different reasons. And I think that's the same. Yeah. But I, I
2: would say that one thing um, reflecting back on our year of carnivore for us, it led to disordered thinking around food. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really did reflecting on it. We didn't want to accept it at the time. Yeah. But I
1: actually had a video. It was like, The carnivore diet is not an eating disorder. And I think for a lot of people it's not. For me, like coming from a background of disordered eating, I like really had to reassess like why am I actually afraid of that food? I think there's a difference in like understanding and then being afraid.
0: So I had to
1: I had to go figure out why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it was just like I couldn't
2: justify in my mind And it was bad. Like for me, I think that there's a huge difference between raw honey or fruit versus refined whole grain bread or cruciferous vegetables grown with NPK fertilizer. Like there's there's a, not all carbs are created equal. Dr. Paul Saladino will be talking about this on the Joe Rogan podcast. There's a plant toxicity spectrum. And I think a lot of times in carnivore, all carbs are created equal and lumped into the same category mm-hmm. as bad mm-hmm. and we got wrapped in in that for a little bit and that did not was not good for us because that caused more stress oh, it,
1: like it moved away from the health part of it because it just started fighting over a macronutrient and it's like we all care about the micronutrients like why are we even you know because carnivore isn't necessarily keto right It by re- eliminating plants you get rid of carbs so it kind of is but we were starting to like this fight about macros and it's like no we're all here to get nutrients and how are we getting that in animal products, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 That's such a, you know, touchy topic for so many different people, but I do agree with you and I don't care what diet lifestyle it is, whether you're vegan or carnivore or keto, whatever, if you get too caught up in it to where, uh, you know, like you said, you're afraid or, you know, I have kind of an, I've never been afraid of anything, no food am I afraid of, but I do kind of in my head label things as you know bad, not necessarily good, but some bad, because it reacts in my body badly. So therefore I label that bad. Now I don't consider it bad for everyone, but it's bad for me. So I look at it not, not like, Oh my God, I'm so scared of it. I can't put it in my body. It's more like, yeah, I really don't want that. I don't want it at all because I know what it does to me. So, you know, I do think there is a difference. And, you know, when you do start thinking of food in in, in that way to where you fear it, I do think that kind of becomes a problem I mean there's reasons to fear food you know like like if you're allergic to shellfish I mean yeah you should fear having that you know put on your plate okay that's a different story but
1: yeah so because you have that experience and you're like all right I didn't feel too good after eating that so you know and I think that yeah it's valuable for everybody to
0: figure that out yeah Yeah. for sure okay I want to ask a personal question now, y'all spend an enormous amount of time together and have for a long time. Tell me, what's the relationship like? Do y'all fight? Oh, I thought you were going to ask our relationship statuses. Some people think we're together, but we're not.
1: Um, we yeah, <laughs> we haven't really, like, shared our relationship, other relationships on our social media, and we probably will in the future because I think, like, we just, going forward, it's more of our life. Um, our relationship is... Uh, it's great. Like, she's my best friend, obviously. you know gonna make her uncomfortable. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we obviously fight sometimes, but it literally lasts 30 seconds. It's, like, a sass, like, extreme sass. Extreme sass. For 30 love. seconds. She is sassy Wait, but she's Green.
0: sassy, too. Ah, ah, ah. She's so sassy. She's like,
1: no.
0: Oh, and, I so want to see this.
1: And then, it's like it's gone. We just move on. Like literally it's like a minute at most. And, um, I think that we've been through so much together over the last, like we've been through extremely bad breakups. We've been through all of our health issues together. We live in this house together. We raised three dogs together. So like we're inseparable and we recognize that like one person's sass one day isn't going to like
2: ruin that. But I That's do. That's awesome. We keep each other in check too. So we're the, I'm like the real talk for her. Like I reflected on something that she said the other day, and I gave her like a real talk, and. What? Yeah, like, I was like, sometimes just don't, con- remember? Oh, oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, but we are, we are very different. Like, have you ever heard of the Enneagram test? Mm-hmm, yeah. So I'm type three. I'm type four, so like, completely different. And so,
0: wow.
2: there's some contrasting things there that I think adds to our relationship dynamic.
0: Um, oh, yeah, yeah 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 so and you I'm, have to, it's good and bad when you're different i mean it's a good thing to be different because you bring different stuff to the table
2: yeah as absolutely. long as
0: you can you know
2: For our entrepreneur uh venture next like i'm i'm more excited about the soil science she's more excited about the wedding events barn and so like oh
0: fun yeah and then we're both of course I feel like, you know,
2: like <laughs> we're both paired like we're both excited about the each venture it's just like that's good because we'll both be able to like really push both forward um so yeah i would say it's just like random sass moments of mm-hmm. for example if i'm on my phone while she's talking like she's going to call me out on it like you've been on your phone all day listen to what i'm saying it's so like certain things like that i don't say it like that we're, yeah. <laughs> we're just we're to the point Like when we need to criticize something, it's just to the point, quick, and sometimes it's snappy and sassy, but then we move on.
0: Love it. Okay. Let's talk just a second about, about the, the wedding bar. And I wanted to go back to that anyway. And I forgot. Um, Well, you know, if I live closer, I would be all up in that helping y'all with that because that sounds like so much fun, but it's a lot of work. I'll just warn you that it's a lot of work. Um, I I know people who kind of got into that business and, and going through my daughter's wedding and actually doing most of the planning. um, It's a lot of work when you're dealing with all that stuff, but it's also so fun. So Tell us a little bit about that. Like, what is your vision?
1: Yeah. Um, So when we bought our farm property, the reason that the investment made so much sense is because it had a pre-existing barn that would work well. for.
0: It's nice, too. The pictures I've seen, nice.
1: Yeah, and so it made sense because we had already come to this realization that um, just doing the farming wasn't going to be financially sustainable. And so there's
2: not much cash flow at the beginning of regenerative farms. Mm -hmm heavy
1: and so we had someone do something else and um I actually part of my education I always say health sciences but encompassing that was like event planning as well and so I my dad and my family mom and I got really excited about the idea of starting like a wedding and events barn because it is kind of like a thing these days you get married in a rustic barn and I think it's so beautiful yes. watch the hallmark movies with our mom and I swear to god like every movie they get married in a barn yeah and so love it (laughs) and so um it's a project that is currently underway right now uh i think the barn is getting like stained the inside's getting stained right now so there's a lot need to be done um construction wise and so when thinking of the financial journey with this whole farm we sold our house and we made a profit of about eighty thousand dollars overall um and so that money is going directly into the barn so we can get that up mm. and running first and have some weddings next season and hopefully make some money there.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: Yeah, but I think we also were fortunate. We have a neighbor up there in Michigan who, um, who all of her life has worked on weddings and events. And so she's kind of in that retiring stage. So she's been really helping us while we haven't been there right now. And so it's been a team effort and we're really excited about it. We're going to start an Instagram soon. We just got some renderings done of the barn. Yeah. And we're just going to start sharing all of it. And like, that's a
0: separate- so cool.
1: Yeah. I'm excited because I don't want to put it on like our main page. Cause some people will be like, I don't care about that."
0: Yeah. I, just- I know. I know. Oh, I have to be sure to follow that because I'm very interested in that journey because I, I find all that fascinating and you know, uh, I could tell you a whole story on that, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think the barn thing is cool. Now, I'm a little ignorant as far as Michigan. My husband's actually from Michigan. He moved from Michigan to Texas. But, um, so he kind of knows Michigan. I don't, I I know they got snow and stuff like that. I'm a Texan, okay? It's hot, hot. (laughs) you know, cold weather lasts about five minutes here. And so, you know, I'm not into that. Anyway, the barns here, without AC, when you're talking anywhere after April, whoo doggy. So is that something y'all have to worry about? Is like, are y'all going to air condition it or or do you not need it in Michigan? I don't know.
1: Yeah, um, at the start, we definitely can't afford the air conditioning. I think that's an investment like two to three years down. For now, there's a lot of um, ways to get um, air circulating by like opening different France. things. And like our windows have little... Um, they kind of open like this, and so they allow air circulation. And and having fans, I think what we're most concerned about is, like, so wedding season goes primarily like May through October, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of October, it starts getting really cold. Yeah, and so we're uh, not heaters either the first few seasons, but that's something that you can you can work around and bring in like little heaters and stuff. Yeah. So
2: we want to make it work. I want to touch on one thing. So the wedding barns, we have found a way to like integrate it into our regenerative agriculture mission because. What better way to have 20, 30, 50 weddings a year where you gather a ton of people there and they get Uh, at the acres and be like, oh, what's this farm all about? And like, that's an educational opportunity to spread the message about regenerative agriculture. So we're really
0: smart, smart. Love it. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. Well, I can't wait to see how things unfold. I'm going to be watching y'all's journey. God, I wish that we lived closer. We're kind of it. kind of far because I, I would so like want to go check all that out. Ooh, okay. So we've been talking a while, but um, let me just make sure. Uh, okay. The last thing to talk about, and I want to be sure we talk about this, is your new book. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What's involved in it? And when do you think it'll be released? Yeah, So we have a cookbook.
1: Uh, we, anybody who's like watched our YouTube knows we've been talking about this for a long time. And it's a cookbook with Dr. Paul Saladino. So it's, it's evolved a lot as we all have. And so it's no longer just full carnivore. It's actually like more how we eat now. So it's animal based. So every meal is prioritizing an, an animal product, but um, there are, Ashley briefly mentioned the plant toxicity spectrum. So that's going to be mentioned in the book and it's based on Dr. Saladino's uh, thought processes on all this. And so in the book, there's going to be our recipes. There's over like 110 around. Wow. And then um, it's going to involve things like meal templates, timings, um, a lot of cool different information about like sourcing. storing and sourcing your food. And then I'm sure Paul will talk a lot about like his reasonings behind things. We're very excited about it it's actually still going on so still haven't submitted it um but due to like covid and um the election the election the publisher thinks that it would be best to wait to publish it until
0: 2022. Yeah. oh wow okay wow dang it we have to wait that long uh. Bummer. Yeah. Well, publishing, because I, I used to be a, a writer, a published writer. And so I kind of know the process. I've kind of done it. I've done, I've been an editor. I've been, you know, worked on graphics and book designing. I've kind of done pretty much all of that and formatting, you name it. So I kind of understand the industry a little bit. And I never went with a big publisher for the reason I didn't want to lose control and I didn't want to have to wait for yeah. Because they have certain slots and like you said and, and with all this other stuff going on and the fact that they're not publishing near the amount of books as they used to just because the way you know it's going these days the publishing business and uh so many publishers are gone under you know so they they do have these little slots so that dang it though having to wait that long yeah but <laughs> i
2: think it's important to recognize that like this is going to be one of the first cookbooks out there that doesn't have refined grains vegetable oils um it incorporates nose to tail products so liver heart spleen things like that and so it's going to be a very encompassing book but yeah the publisher said that cookbooks do best for new year new me so they are do best when they're in January. and this january is too quick with election. Right. there's going to be a ton of books coming out and so that's their reasoning for going to 2022 but like you said when you're going with a big publisher like we don't have a say in these things. And so it's, it's their decision. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, including the title and whatever else I want to change they don't like some. And so I decide, yep, yeah, no, I, I don't tell me what to do. I'm not one of those people that <laughs> I like being told what to do. I'm like, eh, I don't, like. I, I'm a control freak apparently, I guess. But yeah, but that's so cool. Uh, that's awesome that you, you know, you have a good publisher and you kind of have an idea of when it's going to come out. And that's exciting. Y'all were doing a photo shoot. I saw. So was that fun? Oh,
1: it was so fun. It was uh, a week and a half that White Oak Pastures we shot all the recipe or 50 of the recipe shots. Probably the hardest week ever, but it will be worth it, you know, in 2022 when we get to see it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, That's definitely on my wish list for sure. Um, So, okay. I guess we better go because I'm sure you'll have tons of stuff to, to do, but is there any last things you want to say any any advice any you know encouragement whatever to you know our typical you know audience yeah
1: I think that the like the fact that we're even still talking right now with how many changes we've gone through and so we connected initially like based around diet but the fact that we're still friends even though we've changed like says a lot about everything that's going on here and I think that that's how you should view all these things like don't we talked about this earlier in this episode don't get so caught up in something where you like lose your identity outside of it like for a while i was just carnivore
0: mm-hmm.
1: i didn't know who i was outside of carnivore and so leaving carnivore was like ah oh, i'm i don't know who i am i lost my identity and yeah. so just recognize that like there's so many other things in the world there's so many other like things to be passionate about and to fight about if you want to fight just don't get so caught up in something that you can't see
2: past your blinders. I love that. My last piece of advice would be health looks different for everyone and trying to emulate and copy exactly what someone does and then not being able to do it, that's a very slippery slope and can lead to a negative mindset. So always remember that like you are unique and you have to find what's sustainable for you. And don't feel bad if you can't exactly copy what another person is because doing. Experiment, be willing to evolve in your health and you are worth it.
0: I love that. See, that's why y'all are just the best. And, and I like how y'all, y'all both had like a little something different in, in a different area to say and it's so complimented. I love that. Y'all work very well together and y'all keep doing what you're doing and I, I'm i'm so proud of y'all i just i can't even say it enough I'm, I'm just proud i i love watching y'all and i i think y'all have grown so much in just the year that i've known y'all and that's amazing that's amazing keep doing your thing don't let anybody else tell you otherwise so anyway well thanks so much for coming on the podcast it means a lot to me and uh, love you girls bye y'all